streetlights are on, and you're listening to Largely the Truth with Brennan Store. To all you restless sleepers and midnight creepers, bleary-eyed truckers and the graveyard shift, this is Brennan Store, and you're listening to Largely the Truth. Whether you're staring at a screen or the lines on the road, all is well. And for the next little while, it's going to stay that way. Because I'm here, you're there. And together, we're going to explore the night. Welcome back to Largely the Truth. I am your host, Brennan Store, and this is the show where we get to know some of the most interesting people we can find, whether they be artists, musicians, activists, authors, anyone who's got something to say that's going to enrich our world. This little corner booth of the Neon Garden is where we sit down and have those conversations. And boy, do I have a conversation for you guys this week. For those of you who don't know me, hope is something that is very important to me. The concept of hope. I have struggled with clinical depression almost my entire life, at least since I was a teenager. And as the world has become the world it is, certainly I have found fewer and fewer opportunities for hope. But one wonderful thing about podcasting and broadcasting and getting to know people through these channels is I am finding reasons for hope. And my guest tonight is one such reason. Aside from the major artists, uh, Nickelback, Avril Lavigne, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm sort of uh, dating myself here, but, you know, aside from those major, major acts, I feel like Canadian music doesn't get a lot of attention. I know uh, Steve Kersner and Ed the Sock with New Music Nation, they're really uh, taking a big swing at changing that. And I find that very, very encouraging. But by and large, they are, I think, among the few still doing this. And one of the things I'd hope to do with this show is uh, is pitch in my lot with that process. Because by God, we've got some talented people here. And in the case of my guest tonight, not only talented, but looking towards the future at more than just self-aggrandizement. It's not about the pursuit of fame. I mean, sure, if that happens along the way, wonderful. But it is about hope and building community, and there are, I think, no nobler goals than that. And he's also just a fun dude to have a conversation with. So I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Denzel Gordon, because I know I certainly did. All right, I'm going to shut up, and we're going to put a call out to Denzel Gordon, leader of the Unlynchables. My guest tonight is a fellow Canadian, in fact, my first Canadian guest, and an extraordinarily talented musician whose work I first heard in April of this year when his song Teeth, Autobrush 200,000, turned up on the compilation album Black and Loud Volume 2. He is the organizer of and frontman for the collaborative musical project The Unlynchables, here tonight to talk about his latest album, Treasure Chest. He is Denzel Gordon. Denzel, welcome to Largely the Truth. Great to be here. How's it going? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Like I, I think I mentioned to you, I, I, this is only my my third interview for the show, so or fourth interview for the show. So I'm, you know, figuring my shit out slowly. Cool. 
Uh, so before we talk about your music, I'd love to know more about you uh, personally. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, uh, when you first decided you were going to pursue music, things like this? Sure. So I'm from Brantford, Ontario. Right. Brantford is a interesting city, I feel, as far as like Ontario goes. It's a, it's a hockey town. It's a rural city. It really feels quite rural, but it's got a decently large. It's like a met, it's considered a metropolitan area, but it's like ninety thousand people, so it's smaller. Small city, but it feels pretty rural. Right. And like um, both my parents are uh, immigrants from Jamaica, and uh, they met in Hamilton, right next door to Brantford, and um, I was raised here. And um, I've always been interested in music since I was a kid. I used to actually do tap dancing. Oh, and, cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was like my first uh, creative outlet with music. But yeah, like, you know, just a regular rural suburban life and um, always played music, fell in love with punk rock when I was watching much music when I was, you know, in grade four or five. I know. Yep. I did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, I kind of gave up on like the, cause I was in a tap and like classical music when I was younger. And I kind of just said, no, 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 the Ramones are the kick-ass stuff and all this other <laughs> Bach and stuff is nonsense. And then, you know, I, I uh, played in some bands in high school, indie rock kind of things, um, some metal core stuff. Right. And then um, I kind of just uh, entered life just playing odd job, doing odd jobs and always wanting to do music and thinking about it and creating stuff. But I kind of got in a spot where I felt like um, it's like do or die, you know, right. and yep. like part of, you know, in my mid twenties, it's like, Oh, um, maybe you should go back to school, Denzel and go be a pharmacist or some shit. Or <laughs> but the other part of me is like, no, I want to fucking do this music stuff. So yeah, uh, in the last few years, I started this band called Sea of Troubles in Hamilton, and we're like a post-hardcore punk band. And then now I've decided to kick off The Unlinchables, which is just like a bunch of friends of mine from Brantford and all around Hamilton, Guelph, just people I've met in my life. Uh, I want to get them together and uh, make music with them. And um yeah, so like that's kind of, I guess, a synopsis of my origins to now. Okay, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, what was it like growing up as the the child of immigrants in a place like Branford? Because I, I have to assume, and I, maybe I'm wrong, but it, from what your description sounds very much like where I grew up, which was a very very white bread place. Yeah, um, no, you're right. You're definitely on something. Definitely challenging. I wouldn't say it was a horror show and I have a lot of friends and people who've experienced some stuff that's a little more considerably horrible, right. <laughs> but like, yeah. So for me, my grade school, it was like a grade school of like maybe 300 or so kids. And it was like, there was a few native kids, me, the one Jamaican, and then I think two Filipino girls and the rest were just Europeans, white people. Right. And like it, 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 it was a bit, um <laughs> isolating i guess i can imagine but you know what you know what at the same time my peers were all fantastic reasonable uh kind fun people so like we really just didn't deal with the bullshit unfortunately the the kind of uh 
I'll just say racism. I wanted to say something more polite, but the kind of racism I'd experience, the kind of racism I'd experience was actually just something that would would be either from uh, teachers or, or 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 people in positions of power, and, and and it wasn't a thing that was that explicit either. It was like an undercurrent of weirdness or uncertainty that you would just kind of feel. So I've been lucky enough that I haven't received too much blatant nonsense but yep. yeah there are definitely certain moments where you, why am i being treated slightly differently right now right. but like honestly i i loved growing up in Brantford for the simple parts of it like playing hockey right you know, ha- uh, being able to like see the stars because there's no fucking light pollution you know just like the simple <laughs> the simple pace of life in general too because i've lived in the i lived in toronto for a short time and uh I actually still find myself like I, I really thrive in a more simple, peaceful environment than I do in the, in Interesting. the pace of large cities. Yeah. I know the uh, growing up in Revelstoke, which is uh, my hometown, it's a little, little town in, in uh, BC. I really didn't appreciate the stars. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I, where I am now, I'm not exactly in a big city, but it's, it, there's enough light pollution that you don't see it. And uh, mm-hmm. every now and again, I'll drive out to this beach uh, which is kind of you know a couple uh, maybe about half hour forty five minutes north, and I'm always just staggered by how much you see when when all the the noise goes away. Yeah, it's almost like like um, yeah, it's it's really it feels night and day sometimes. It's almost like light pollution is so normal to us that it's like oh this is the real world. You know, it's yeah. almost like organic organic food versus like a GMO hamburger. It's like, oh yeah, I forgot. That's what the sky is supposed to look like. Yeah, I was going to say there, there are a lot of parallels to the, uh, the way we live right there, right now. Yeah. All right. So we'll, we'll, we'll move away from that though, because that can, that can get very depressing very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> the world at large. So you mentioned your band, the unlinchables, and you said it's sort of a, a group of friends and you sort of describe it as on the Bandcamp page as a rotating ensemble. How does all that kind of work? Have you, uh, have you been able to tour with them or was that more of a, uh, a, a creature of the pandemic? So um, I, at this time, I would say it is kind of a creature of the pandemic, but it won't be for long, hopefully. So it was just an idea I came up with maybe in 2018 when a friend of mine and I were writing a bunch of songs together. And he's not really a musician, but he's a poet. But he came up with great lyrics and he had some ideas for melody. So we would just work out these songs together and I would just do the bulk of the music and he would do the bulk of the lyrics and stuff. So there were a few songs I wrote and then a friend of mine, Brittany, her and I wrote a song one day and then I'm like, oh, let's put this together and call it something. And I came up with that, with that name, which has a lot of racial undertones in it, obviously. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm very, I was very curious to see what people would say when I told them I was interviewing a guy, a guy from a band called The Unlinchables. Yeah, uh, I love that name. We'll get into that oh, later. I, I love it too. Absolutely. <laughs> Great. But yeah, like, so I, I put out this record called C'est Fini. Right. You know, it's finished. Uh, just an EP. And two of the songs were written by close friends of mine, but, but I did all the music. Um, and then um, as the pandemic hit, I was like, I have to put something out. And I started to write all these songs that um, I could self-produce. Like, I'm not really a, a true engineer, but I have a good ear for certain things. Right. And um I composed all these drum parts and bass riffs, and I just wanted to put all of the playing I could into one project so I could say that I did something substantial in quarantine. So um, 
treasure chests that are kind of the main release right now is something that is mostly me, but it does feature a friend of mine, Costa, who's playing uh, drums on the song Get a Grip. And actually, we'll be adding a track to the album that you haven't heard yet oh, oh. This, fri- this Friday. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I, I bought a copy, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it should, it should go up on the band camp at that time. So that's great. Yeah, that's my friend Andrew, who's a folk punk guy from Hamilton. So there are definitely collaborations done on Treasure Chest, but like the limitations of quarantine has only, has only done so much. But going right. forward, I would love it if every album, every show will have just like a people who I respect musically and otherwise are getting together to try to do something. It doesn't have to be even with me as a focus. You know, I'd like to play some of my songs, but I just love to. I, basically, I just want to see how, I, how many of my friends and creative people in the community we can connect with with that project. That's kind of what I want it to be. But quarantine has obviously put a limitation on that at this time. Yeah. But I, I think, I, I think it's the right move in that this feels like the time to plant seeds. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really feel like the pandemic was uh, meant to be, I mean, I say meant to be, that makes it sound more, eh, you know, but, but I think one of the lessons we need to take away from it is that is to, is change. And I think that uh, what you're doing with the Unlinchables, I think that is a, a great example of that. Cause that is something that, you know, Germinated Now can pay huge dividends over time. Yeah, and, that's, a, um, that's a great way to see it. I appreciate that. Oh, no, not at all. Um, it, and it really sounds like Brantford has a, a vibrant music scene. Is that right? Uh, Brantford has vibrant people. Oh, okay. I feel like that's what Brantford is. Um, I know you're from, you know, out in BC, but so I know you, I'm sure you've been to Ontario once or twice. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, um, Yes. No, I, I, I've I, not. I, I've been to the Toronto airport. Oh, really? That's, that's it. Yeah, that's 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 enough. But I find there are a lot of people who some um, sometimes conflate Brantford with Brampton or Bradford. Right. Um, and those are great places. But I feel like they're, you know, they're bigger cities, a lot of music going on. Brantford is really like not that it's very it was like kind of working. Cl- it's a kind of a ghost town, really, uh, right oh, now. Okay. But when I was growing up in high school, there was a, there was one magical place in Brantford called the Ford plant. And uh, uh, there was just really cool, really cool creatives and, and bands from all around Canada would come and play this little hole in the wall, um, DIY, nonprofit, all ages music venue. And it was really, truly like for me, magical, just seeing just, just the, the level of entertainment in Brantford is fairly low. We have movie theaters, right? And right. stuff like that, you know, you can watch a play if you want some in some <laughs> stuffy theater, but it's like there was nothing cool for young people, really. And then, yeah, Tim Ford started this place called the Ford plant and just had really cool indie rock bands and punk rock bands that would come through there. Arcade Fire actually came to play one time. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, it was like kind of like a low key treasure um, at one point. And that was kind of like the music scene when I was in high school and it was pretty magical, but really as soon as Tim and CG kind of stopped running the Ford plant, just because the, you know, life happening, they have to, you know, sure. Feed themselves and they're running a nonprofit is like 20 somethings broke as hell, just making this magic happen. Uh, when that ended, the scene kind of fell apart. And now I feel like the scene is kind of, it's like a sleep, but there's still people who remember that time and know about that, who still are, talented or creative in their own way but i feel like the scene itself the people who know about it know about it and love it and it's cared for and nurtured but the pe- but on the surface it doesn't seem like Brantford is a music city at all you know? interesting it's just yeah. waiting for someone like yourself to uh 
to start the fire back up, I guess. Honestly, uh, that is kind of the torch I'm trying to bring back. Yeah. In some way. That's fantastic, man. I, I, again, I think that's, I think it's a wonderful thing. I think people who, who can inspire other people and who can also in turn be inspired to create something greater than themselves. I, I don't think there's any higher, any higher calling, whatever, whatever form that takes. I think that's a, that's a wonderful thing. So I, I genuinely hope that, uh, that, that, that you succeed. And I, I have no doubt that you will. I appreciate it. And yeah, like, uh, shout out to Tim Ford for planting that seed in me somehow. Absolutely. So um, actually, it's kind of sort of dovetails with a question I had because you, you describe Brantford as kind of like a, a ghost town. And I assume that's sort of the, uh, as manufacturing disappeared. Yeah, that's basically what happened. Um, manufacturing pulled out. Everybody was working. It was a blue collar city, really. Right. And then by the early 2000s, by the late 90s, really, it was just a different place. In fact, you know, you know Silent Hill, right? The film. Sure. It was actually shot in Brantford. Oh, and really? Yes. Oh, certain yeah. scenes of it. Anyway. And I'm not kidding. I know a lot of people won't believe me, but this is true. There are parts of the downtown, in my estimation, looked like they were improved when they were setting up the signs and stuff and setting up set. It almost looked like there were parts of the downtown that in them trying to make it look dingy and horrible looked a little bit better than before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I was thinking about what you said about, uh, again, it being Blue Collar City. And I used to have, this show used to be a, a weekly music show on, on an FM station in, West, in Western Canada. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of morphed now into this because this is something I can actually, you know, uh, put up on, on the internet. But um, in making that show, I used to put together theme shows. So I would do the music of, you know, this place or, uh, you know, the music, this kind of music. And, and one of the shows I did was the, uh, the music of, or the sounds of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And something I've really noticed listening to Treasure Chest a few times is that it really does have a similar sound to a, like to the best artists I heard from Pittsburgh. And I'm wondering if there is that, if it's that working class sensibility, that almost that working class sense of longing for better times. What are your that thoughts makes on sense that? To me. that? That makes sense to me. I think there's definitely part of me that just, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's actually, yeah, definitely living in a blue collar city. It's kind of something that you, it's inescapable, but I feel also, but like, I actually, I totally identify with that. And there's also like, I think that blue collar towns really like melody and stories in their music. Right. And I've always resonated with that. You know, if we think about folk or country music, stuff like that, where it's like, you know, that stuff is rooted in where's the story where's the melody in the song. And like, I've always felt in line with that kind of thing, but um, the element of blue collar, like, yeah, longing for the good times or, you know, the hardships of life, I guess. But I find there's also a thing in our current like zeitgeist of life where young people are like feeling nostalgic about six months ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. In, in like a kind of dangerous, strange way. There's something about technology that makes, I'm not sure if it's just technology, just the pace of our time right now, but everything feels like you're being nostalgic about the last year before the last year's even done, you know? I agree completely. I mean, I think, I, I, I think it was Neil deGrasse Tyson said this a, a couple of years ago. He said that um, we're not teaching people hope for the future. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really, and I, I don't think that's an exact quote, but I think that's roughly what it boils down to. And I think that right. 
you know, I think that there's a there's something to that, right? Because everything seems so dire. I, th- I think it's hard to envision a future. And so instead of, and also, again, I don't think we were necessarily given the tools as kids to, uh, if not the tools to envision, maybe we had those, but the tools to mm-hmm. feel as though we can affect that change. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if that's where some of this nostalgia comes from, the sense of, well, Jesus, we have, we're powerless to right. create the things we want to create. So let's just look back. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's why I think um, stuff like your like stuff like your work and, and sort of your these plans you have for your band I, and, and just you generally, I think those are powerful things because I think people who remember a good time, but then again, as I said earlier, they want to take that spirit forward and create something new with it. I, I think it, it's my it's my hope at least that people like like that like you are the ones who will eventually inspire those changes because I don't think. We're going to hit the brick wall the way a lot of people do. I, I think fatalism, uh, I think, is easier. And I think, you mm-hmm. know, there's a lot of uh, just entrenched structures that want us to think they are eternal. And, mm-hmm. you know, when in actual fact, they're not. Yeah, but but I, I do wonder sometimes if it's that, if this, that sort of sense of nostalgia comes from, and I think it's, I think it's a very working class notion too, right? Because I, I know, again, my family are all blue collar workers. You know, I, I think that, you're sort of in, in a way they fetishize being powerless. Yeah. I, I feel that my family will sometimes sit around and I, I have to get, leave the room sometimes because they'll just talk about, Oh man, I got screwed over by this person. They have so much power. There's nothing you can do. And it's just suffocating. Yes. Is that, is that part of the culture of Brantford too, or sort of something you recognize Certainly. growing up? Certainly. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> is. And it's endearing sometimes. I don't know because this. I feel like uh, Brantford has the has the value of honesty here sometimes, but then sometimes it's like weaponized honesty. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. That that to say the most negative thing is the most true thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, that's definitely something that permeates the city from time to time, especially in the older generations. I definitely feel like that kind of mentality is actually probably even in treasure chest or like confronting versions of it. I, I don't know. Cause like, yeah, there's almost like, yeah, the pleasure of pain thing. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, absolutely. I, I, yeah. It's, it's all here in the city, but I don't really vibe with it anymore. There was a time where I was in that kind of mentality, Yep. but it doesn't help long-term. No, I, I agree completely. And if you don't mind me asking, is that something you found changing before the pandemic or is that something that the pandemic has really accelerated or, or not at all? Yeah. I'd say the pandemic accelerated it. Cause I don't know, like, I guess I'm, I'm better in chaos than beast. <laughs> like it seems <laughs> like, it. but like, I've been very productive in this horrible time. Yeah. Yeah. And like I just, I've become more, I wouldn't say optimistic. It's almost like this horrible thing is out there. So I'm like, Oh, that, that, I don't have to feel anxious about what could be horrible because I already know the horrible. It's right here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You're speaking to my heart right now. I understand. (laughs) So I mentioned Pennsylvania, and it turns out that one of my favorite tracks on Treasure Chest is titled after another Pennsylvania city, and that's, of course, Philadelphia.
Uh, what was the inspiration behind that track? Ah, that's a good question. I've been to Philadelphia once, and it wasn't um, really that formative of a trip, but it, I think it was the first time that I had left either Canada or the Caribbean. I, I visited Jamaica a few times when I was younger, but it's the first time I went to a city that wasn't the, of the two cultures that I know, me being right. born in Canada and my parents being from Jamaica. So just being in Philadelphia was pretty amazing just to be there. You know, it wasn't, it was just a little, like a few days of a trip. We drove over and, you know, went shopping and nonsense like that. But like the song Philadelphia to me, uh, I'm a big fan of Rocky. Okay. Sure. Like, like I love Rocky <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, we know how the, the narrative with Rocky and the steps and Philly and like, um, I've always just identified with that story of the underdog who is suffering kind of throwing caution to the wind and succeeding almost out of stupidity. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's almost a stupidity that is, is his stu- superpower. Not like he's actually like dumb, but he is totally sets himself up for a fight that he shouldn't win. Yep. But all the, all the reasonable elements say, no, you're not going to win, but he does it. And that that's the beauty of him. And also obviously like his chin, his willingness to accept pain. Uh, so I just, I always, I love Rocky and I feel that there's a part of me that's like a Rocky and um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the doors too. And okay. I just wanted, I wanted to make something that felt kind of like riders on the storm. Oh, and, I can um, hear it now. Yeah. Now that you say that, I absolutely hear what you mean. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, there's a certain optimism uh, that you can only have in suffering. And I feel like that's what Philadelphia is about. And like Philadelphia means brotherly love in some way. So it is kind of like eighties macho slugging it out, but I got it. You know what I mean? Right. Not how hard you hit, but how hard you get hit. And yeah. Keep yeah, totally. Yeah. I feel like that's what Philly, Philadelphia is about. But yeah, I love Philly as a city. It's a beautiful city. It reminds me of Brantford in some ways. It's a more put together city than Brantford, but <laughs> right. I, you know, I've only ever been very briefly. I, I drove through, I helped a friend move from, uh, Austin, Texas to Boston. And I believe we passed through, uh, Philly at one point, I think it was late in the evening. We stopped for a meal with a friend, but I, I all I saw was sort of the skyline, uh, silhouetted against silhouetted against the sunset from the highway. And that was about it. I remember when I was researching the music scenes from the two different cities, uh, I was, I was going to do a Pittsburgh show and then a Philly show. And then I, I ended up just doing the Pittsburgh one because the Philly the Philly bands were all kind of uh, sort of like um, proto cock rock kind of stuff, and I kind of thought, well, there's you know, True. there's only so many squealing guitar solos I can hear, but right. uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was it's a place I'd love to I'd love to check out. So it's hard to imagine traveling at the moment, but I, I imagine I'll come back at some point. Yeah, hopefully. Going a little further on Treasure Chest, as I mentioned, the first song I heard was Auto Brush. And one of the things I really appreciate about the album is that, you know, there's no two songs that are exactly alike, but it's all, I mean, it's, again, it's all great, but it also manages, I think, to capture that same mood, which is that sort of, uh, cautious, melancholy optimism we were talking about. Great. I'm, I'm glad that comes across. Oh yeah, absolutely. Is, is that, was that an intentional choice? It's not just me projecting on you. I think that's kind of who I am. <laughs> like, I am cautious, melancholy optimism. Yeah. <laughs> so Autobrush is is a really 
uh, kind of a more rock track than most of the stuff on the rest of the record. It's a little more similar to the stuff you've done sort of prior with uh, your album Bored. Do you remember the case? Where, uh, what was the genesis of that particular song? That song, I really, I really love that song. Uh, I, I feel like so there's some of the songs on Treasure Chest that feel like characters. I like to do that kind of thing. Right. Um, uh, I, I've always been a person who likes to imitate and like, you know, I'm a nerd too. And like, I like, I like the idea of like, you know, dress up in theater and, you know, right. superheroes changing from one thing to another but um teeth uh auto brush really feels like it's me speaking like um the, the 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 narrative of that story feels like true to me um that song how did i start it uh, <laughs> i think it was just some guitar chords and i was just thinking about it was like the that was the first song i probably wrote in quarantine where where quarantine really started to hurt you know right and um the opening line is do you remember the cages and like, it was something about how currently we're in cages because we can't do anything. We're locked in our little boxes. And then there was a certain part of it too, where I felt like we're all aware of that news story during the Trump administration, where, you know, these poor children at the border were being uh, detained from their family and things of that nature. And I just kind of saw like a sad similarity between these two important news cycle events of the last, you know, two administrations. Right. And I d- yeah. And like, I don't know, like, I feel like when that line came to me, it really hurt. I'm like, oh, it's like it, this, this whole isolation cage thing. It's like, this is, this seems like maybe this is going to be the spirit of our time. Maybe this is just what this current decade might represent or whatever. You know what I mean? Cause I feel like as things get more digitized and less uh, human, it's like, that's going to be dangerous. Like for our psyches. Oh, I, and, I agree. And yeah, and it's like, I feel like that that song is a lot about the anxiety of being isolated and emotionally isolated because that's what that's what happens when you're in a relationship that's a bit non-communicative, which the type of relationships I've been in in the past. I'm just trying to like put like what are the angles of feeling isolated that would resonate with people. So I feel like that was kind of what it was. And again, I think it's a, it's an incredibly effective song. That was that was again the first one I heard and. I was immediately interested. I mean, there are some great artists on that compilation, but Auto Brush was was my favorite track by far. Oh, and awesome! Thank you. Yeah. Oh no, my, of course. Um, it, right from the jump, with that that sort of cassette player sound, it it just I don't know. It it sort of clicks into a particular groove in your brain, and it it so you it, it just you find the level very quickly because there's that. Uh, it was that uh, synth at the beginning. Um, I think it's there's actually good. So there's. The, the the cassette and the, that's actually a guitar. Oh, okay, um, the, okay. There's a it's a it's a harmonized guitar solo thing, right? And then and then the synth loop starts after, right? Okay, yeah, because it immediately is, establishes a mood, and knowing awesome. now that that's sort of where it comes from, I, I again it it makes perfect sense because there's very much a sense of 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 going away and also uncertainty there, right? You know, awesome. it, I'm really I'm really glad you like that song. I yeah. 
that song that song is probably the only song on the record that gets me gets me feeling the feelings you know what i mean oh yeah absolutely yeah so what kind of response have you had so far i mean i guess the album really just dropped yesterday uh properly is that right or no the 20th. um you know what um so <laughs> this is a fun interview i'm gonna tell all my things okay go for it so I found it very interesting just how the, how people do rollouts and I've never done a real official rollout for any project I've ever done thus far. My band Sea of Troubles, we have quite a following now, thankfully. And like, there's some uh, great opportunities coming uh, to our table now, but it's something that's new to us. Right. So um, we have, we don't have any full length record out yet. And um, I just did everything very grassroots social media nonsense and just posting dumb memes and stuff. Uh, so now I wanted to just try, what if I had a strategy and uh, treasure chest? I've been, I've been releasing like it's a, a program, like a, you know, like some tool exe file you wanted to, to get from somewhere. And like, I posted the first s- snippet of it. I was like, Oh, this is the four, uh, this is the version 4.2 beta. And then I would update it to 4.6, 4.9. Right. <laughs> right. So um, the album did drop officially august 20th but um the joke is oh actually sorry we have to do a patch um <laughs> so <laughs> so this friday i'll put the final patch on and the album will be complete um so yeah that's um yeah it, the reception's been good um actually i spoke with um lydia from a july talk she reached out to me and, oh fantastic yeah which is kind of blew my mind um <laughs> Like, honestly, like, it's kind of blew my mind. I'm still kind of shaken up by it. But like, July Talk's great. And, um, uh, yeah, uh, they seem to like a few of the tunes. Um, you obviously reached out to me. Um, actually, Ultra Magazine out of Toronto will be doing, uh, will be covering Treasure Chest uh, in their, I believe, maybe their October issue. I think it was too late for September. But, yeah, um, so, um, there, yeah, there are things that's been bubbling in and people seem to like it. And I'm glad for that. That is fantastic, man. Well, you know, so often I talk to musicians who are talented and driven, and if somehow there's people just don't seem to notice, and so it's enormously gratifying to know to know that people are noticing this record and and, and you, because again, you're a talented guy, and uh, I I think that the 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 things you've told me today so far just make me think this is someone whose voice we need to hear because this is someone who's got something to say and something positive to say, you know. I appreciate it. I hope that's true. I think so. (laughs) One more thing. Actually, I wanted to bring up. You brought up Black and Loud, that compilation. Yeah. It being on there. I actually designed the cover art for both of the Black and Louds. Yeah. Because that was a riff on the, um, oh, uh, what was it? The old. uh, So, um, which one was it? So there's, yeah, Big Shiny Tunes was the second one. That's it. Big shiny yeah, tunes. The big shiny tunes cover. Yeah. And then the first one is uh, just the the much loud logo. And I just flipped it a little bit. But yeah, I, I I definitely remixed both of those little covers there. That is so cool. The man does graphic design as well. I sure do. <laughs> do you know are they planning a third volume of that? Because again, I really enjoyed uh, part two. They are. Oh, fantastic. Um, I can't tell you much about it yet. But this one is actually going to be pretty serious. The first two are great, but the third one might be something amazing comparatively. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, folks, look out I mean, for that. I'll include links to all this in the show notes. But uh, again, the this the physical copies are or at least of, al- of the first album are sold out. But you can buy digital copies, and it's it's only three dollars Canadian, which most of my American listeners are American. I think it's like seventy five cents or something. You're gonna to want to pick that up. <laughs> it, yeah, especially now, even more yeah. so now, knowing that. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, there's, sorry, there's seven copies of the part two uh, digital or uh, compact discs left. So if you still have a CD player, now's your time. Yeah. Shouts out to Dan from Waste Youth for making those, pressing those CDs. So um, going, uh, sort of moving towards uh, towards the end of our conversation here, I'm kind of curious to know, uh, and you don't have to be real specific, depending on your comfort level, but what do you do as a day job? And do those two worlds ever get to cross, you know, kind of work in music, or do you, do you keep them separate? So basically, I had a bit of a quarter-life crisis in 2017, where I was like, Bro, you're working as a produce manager in a health food store. This is not a life track that you want, okay? It's okay, but it's like, you don't want this as your life. Basically, I said to myself, you need to just actually take music as deadly serious as you can and starve if you have to starve. So I did for a little bit. (laughs) But then I found a gig as a wedding DJ, my friend. And that is my main income. I DJ weddings, man. And No um, way. Yeah. In quarantine now, I don't have that. Uh, so um, currently the response, the Canada response benefit for COVID response benefit is floating me. And like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely overqualified for that because yeah, they're in zero weddings from uh, like, like basically spring 2020 to now still dancing is illegal in Ontario right now. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> I didn't realize you were living in Footloose, but that's good to know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. But uh, yeah. So my main gig is doing live sound. I DJ weddings. Um, I actually do some, uh, I do like some graphic design and things like that on the side. And a friend of mine, we're starting a little, um, um, creative agency where we're, we're selling like, um, Hey, you want to do a promo spot for your business? We'll come shoot it, put piece it all together. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, give us a few bones and we'll send it your way. So, um, yeah, usually I'm, I'm, I'm DJing weddings and playing edge here and over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. I know it's a hellhole, but (laughs) it's a fun hellhole because I like people, you know, so Absolutely. I can deal with the nonsense music. <laughs> if you uh, did, you want to drop the name of your creative agency here, just in, in just in case. Oh sure. So, um, problem solvers is my friend Salman. Problem solvers. Uh, .ca. That's him. And um, basically, we split it in two ways because I I'm starting my own thing called Goldenrod Sen, and uh, I'll just kind of it's going to be more boutique. But him and I are going to work together. So Goldenrod Sen. For me and then problem solvers for salmon fantastic well again i'm I'll, I'll put links to those in the uh in the show notes so people can find you because that that sounds that sounds exciting it sounds again like you've you had that that quarter life crisis and it sounds like from here on out you're you're making your own luck and i admire the hell out of that thank you i i it really does seem like that and i, I mean that's a that's a, again that's a valuable thing because there are so many people who, i think who are i uh, feel as though they are um the word i'm looking for sort of powerless against as we said you know that kind of powerless against against the it powerless in the face of change and mm-hmm. so it never occurs to them to that they can do these things that you're doing so again I, I think that is very very cool i appreciate it man 
So before we go, I just wanted was kind of curious. Are there uh, any plans for another album in the immediate future? Or are you going to kind of let Treasure Chest sit for a bit? Oh, yeah, we got some plans. So Treasure Chest will be out in its full patched version <laughs> in, on the on the 27th of this month but um by september there actually will be a new release oh wow holy shit okay yeah yeah there'll be a new release by september it won't be a full album but we'll have uh some nice two singles two new singles for you guys and um these will definitely be polished and they'll, they'll be they'll be radio ready music so that'll be new for us Oh, interesting. You sort of kind of as your aesthetic is normally a little more, uh, a little more rough around the edges. Yes. But uh, we decided to do um, two tracks that are, yeah, the production quality is up there. Oh, I'm very excited. Folks, keep an eye out. I'll, I'll put a link to uh, Denzel's uh, Bandcamp page in the show notes. It's theunlinchables.bandcamp.com. And oh, I, you mentioned uh, the name and I got a note. Have you, have you gotten any feedback on the name? <laughs> um, Yes and no. <laughs> like, um, I haven't had any what the fucks yet, but I have had. Um, there's actually like a friend of mine. I don't want to mention their name, but they're like, "You want to start a band called the What?" I don't know <laughs> if I can play with you. I wanted him to play with me. It's like, the name's too crazy, man. I don't think I can do it. And I'm oh, like, wow. all right, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I understand, but uh, yeah, but like, actually, I've actually found it's been positive. Like people think it's cool and like um, there's the racial undertones to it. But like, I think it's also kind of like uh, um, I actually haven't even seen this movie, but I like a lot of 80s movies. What's that damn movie with everybody in it? I actually haven't even seen it, seen it. You know, the one everybody's in it. <laughs> it's like an action movie that every man who does action movies is in. In the 80s? No, a new one. Something this recent, but obviously oh, the, a lot the Expendables. of Expendables. The Expendables. I haven't even seen this movie, and I'm kind of <laughs> remixing the name. But I, I, I love that idea of um, it's almost like an MCU, but for action heroes of the of the past, like getting together and like everybody's in the cast. I like that idea. So like I thought it like somehow this came to me that Unlinchables would be like something that has this interesting little racial undertone and, and truly not even necessarily, you know, people have been lynching people for a long time. Okay. You know, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> people have been, uh, you know, beheading and hanging people um, who were considered, you know, uh, an underclass or ne'er-do-wells or criminals for forever, you know, all across. Yeah. Not even speaking about North America, you know, that's happened in Europe and everything else and everywhere. So I just thought it was just like, there's an element of it being like the rebel cowboy untouchable. You can't get him, man. He's unlinchable. Like, I like that idea. And it uh, feels a bit superhero action movie vibes a bit, depending on how I do the visuals. But yeah, it's been good. That's great. And, and I think that's the kind of name that it, it's very much about what you bring to it. Right. So if someone starts giving you static for it, I think it just kind of shows you where they're at. It, it, it totally, more than bearing on the name. Totally agreed. Well, man, where can everyone find you online? The unlinchables.bandcamp.com. You can find all the unlinchables stuff there. Treasure chest is there. Made a single teeth and get a grip is there. And a few other strange projects are also there. 
And yeah, I think that's that's good for now. I'm not that organized right now for everything. <laughs> sea enough. of Troubles. Sea of Trouble. If you're into hardcore punk, seaoftroubles.bandcamp.com. You can check out our EP, Etchy. It's uh, it's good. People like it. And you've got a song on uh, from Sea of Troubles on Black and Loud as well, don't you? That's correct. Perfect. So, folks, check him out. You will not be disappointed. I think this guy is going places and... Uh, you know, get in on the ground floor so you can tell people I listened to him. Well, not before he was cool, but before everyone knew he was cool. <laughs> Thank you, Brett. It's been great, man. Oh, my pleasure, man. My, my guest has been Denzel Gordon of Denzel Gordon on the Unlitchables. Denzel, man, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been a joy, man. And that's going to do it. Huge thanks again to my guest, Denzel Gordon, for hanging out with me. You can find more of his stuff by heading to theunlinchables.bandcamp.com. And I really do encourage you to check out his album, Treasure Chest. The full version of it, the, uh, the patched version, as he says, is now available. If you want to get early ad-free access to these shows, head on over to patreon.com slash largerthetruth. $2 a month gets you in the door, and that gets you, as I mentioned, ad-free episodes, early access, usually about two days ahead of schedule, and bonus conversations when available. That's patreon.com slash largerthetruth for only $2 a month. If you want to hear more of my voice, you can find me over at the Ghost Story Guys podcast, telling stories of the strange and unusual with my good friend Paul Bestel every two weeks. That's ghoststorygues.com or everywhere. Find podcasts live. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, both of which are at Largely the Truth. And if you want to come by and say hi, please do. Or at largelythetruth at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. I've started a page. It's uh, very early days yet, but that is also Largely the Truth with Brennan Store. Okay. I'm out. Huge thanks to Peter of Pizzanta Music for my fabulous theme song. You can find more from him by searching for Pizzanta Music wherever you get your tunes, or by checking out nightharvestrecordings.com and following the links there. And finally, I'd like to thank you for listening. Without you, there wouldn't be much point. Alright. Until next time, I hope the night takes you to the same strange and wonderful places it takes me. And remember, if you're not sure what comes next... Put a call out into the dark. You never know who's going to pick up. I'll see you next time.